trick-taking, and the magic of manufacturing. One could measure progress by the collective number of free time hours available. For this evaluation, let's define free time as hours spent on activities pursuing fun free of obligations of survival, station, education, employment, or parenting. Looking at progress this way, we're more advanced now because we generate more free time hours than ever. What's exciting is the number of people choosing gaming for those hours. Games reflect progress because materials, industry, and commerce have always driven the spread of gaming. Basically, if you could make a game or game piece out of it, humans have. When there's a new advancement, game designers put it to use and sell it to folks with free time. Senate was a roll-and-move game from Egypt around 3500 BCE. The board was made of clay, and the earliest versions used two-sided sticks instead of dice. Dice wouldn't find their way into the tombs of the pharaohs until around 2000 BCE, even though the folks at Tigris and Euphrates had them as early as 5000 BCE. The invention of paper was a game-changer in 200 BCE, China. And a thousand years later, playing cards will hit the table. This invention, around 800 CE, depending on sources, will permanently tie the advancement and spread of gaming and gaming culture to print technology and trade. People with free time tend to have funds to spend on free time activities. Decks of cards become luxury items and traded as such. Once traded, the idea of playing cards was easy to replicate. The earliest card game was a trick-taking gambling game played by the imperial court of China. By the 11th century, hand-drawn or block-printed decks, already with four suits of 12 cards each, showed up across the Middle East and in Egypt and were likely taken by crusaders and brought back to Europe. Though there's little record of what was being played during this period, it's believed to be some sort of plain trick-taking game without Trump. The 15th century was awful with plague. But through all this turbulence, Johannes Gutenberg managed to invent the printing press. Gutenberg wasn't the only one working on this invention, so he kept all his efforts a secret. But, from what historians have been able to piece together, the entire effort may have taken him 20 plus years, and his journey took him from Mainz to Strasbourg and back. Gutenberg had a few side hustles to keep his project funded across so many years, one of which was printing copper engravings with someone history knows only as the master of playing cards. Because Gutenberg was on the down-low about his efforts and playing cards were often banned as being immoral, little's known about the success of their partnership, but selling things to the wealthy on religious pilgrimage was good business. The Renaissance and social mobility gives free time to an entire new class of people, and one of the things those folks want to do is game. By the 17th century, card printing is now enough of an industry that King James ordered a duty stamp added to every ace of spades, showing the printing house. The proliferation of cards and card players paved the way for Edmund Hoyle's A Short Treatise on the Game of Whist in 1742. Hoyle sold his pamphlet to the well-to-do he tutored in card gaming. His original print run quickly sold out even though he charged one guinea for what was basically a pamphlet. That's $320 today. This got the attention of an investor who paid 100 guinea to own the rights to reprint. This business venture was great for Hoyle, but terrible for the printer. The pamphlet was quickly undersold by fakes and copies. Eventually, the official version came with Hoyle's signature, which he charged his partner for. Hoyle's name was tied to the standard of how games were played, taught, and shared. Publications bearing his name are still being printed almost 300 years later. At the turn of the 19th century, the French Revolution altered trick-taking games. Again, social mobility advanced more people into the middle class, and with them came the notion that the ace, rather than the king, should be the highest value card. 
Since the 1600s, the French deck was the standard for iconography and suits. And in the 1800s, the spirit of revolution upended the hierarchy of card value. The 19th century also elevated Cornelius Vanderbilt, ruthless steamship and rail tycoon. His fortune would allow his great-grandson, Harold Sterling Vanderbilt, to evolve whist to its ultimate form. While the offset press made board games a medium for the masses in the 20th century, serious gamers were playing Contract Bridge. The next iteration of Auction Bridge, Vanderbilt wrote Contract Bridge while stuck on steamships in 1925. If free time is a measure of progress, how many Vanderbilts a society produces is one indicator of advancement. With Vanderbilt's wealth and excitement, Contract Bridge became the game of the 1930s and 1940s, and remained popular throughout the century, with even Sports Illustrated having a bridge column. There are a few issues with a game being as good, deep, and popular as Bridge. Number one, nobody dares write anything else. What can compare to 400 plus years of game development? Number two, the communities that embrace the game raise barriers for entry. The mid-20th century is about monopolies in gaming. As the planet recovered from two world wars, innovations in gaming will come from the likes of Parker Brothers, Milton Bradley, and Mattel, who publish Uno. Things will change later, as mimeographs and photocopies will help spread games like Dungeons and Dragons, Nuclear War, and Battletech. Just as cheaper access to printing and graphic design technology became more widely spread, gaming became an electric medium. With Sovereignty being a digital board game platform, the history of video games is pretty critical. But for today's topic, let's just say humans had a new medium to make games out of, and it brought more people to gaming than ever. The 90s brought us Magic the Gathering, which benefited from desktop publishing and cheaper printing methods. MTG massively influenced drafting games, but we'll skip ahead another 30 years for trick-taking games to capture public excitement again. The turn of the 21st century brought about the dot-com era and the credit card boom. The boom generated a massive influx of commercial printing presses. The older presses they replaced ended up overseas and combined with crowdfunding lead us to today's gaming golden age. More people are playing games than ever, inspiring more people to want to make them. Because card games are approachable and relatively cheap to make, they're getting a lot of love from game designers, new and established. Folks like Grandpa Beck Games are reinvigorating classic trick-taking games with titles like Skull King. The crew is changing the genre entirely by making trick-taking games a co-op experience. With worldwide logistics being a mess, the next iteration of games might start on domestic short-run digital presses from people like GameCrafter or Artiforge. Indie game experiments manufactured by companies like these might hold our gaming future, but we'll see. If retail sales are an indicator, 2020 and 2021 will be the biggest years in board gaming ever. Many folks choose gaming in their free time because it's a great way to connect with others, and it's those connections that help us most when we need them. Trick-taking as a mechanic. Approachability, four. Trick-taking is good for gateway gamers who grew up with classic card games, and now it's become more accepted in gaming circles. I would still get buy-in from your players before you drop it on the table. Depth and customization, three. Trick-taking has 1,200 years of game development behind it, and it still has potential. Utility. 2. The winner-take-all nature of a trick makes it hard to utilize other places. It's almost always the core player action in games that have it. Uniqueness. 1. After roll and move, trick-taking is one of the most common game mechanics considering the length of its history. Sovereignty is your board game library that you could enjoy anywhere. Play smarter. Sovereignty keeps track of the rules and scoring on every game. 
Check the show notes for a link to download the free app for your PC, tablet, or phone and join us for early access today.